Welcome to Tactical Permaculture. I've worked on projects ranging from the poorest to richest clients, from inner cities to suburbs to farmlands to remote wilderness, from the eco-war front lines to celebrity backyards. In over 25 years of service to the earth and the community of life, I've learned that in the fight for sustainable survival, growing is half the battle. Go to tacticalpermaculture.com for more info. You gotta train for me Because I'm training for you We gotta love, love And revolution to do You better train for me You'll be training for you Welcome to Tactical Permaculture, episode number 11. This is Designing Against the Vectors of Rape, originally recorded October 29th, 2021. Continuing with the Tactical Permaculture sub-series, and given that this is going to be running, um, the show running most proximate to Halloween, I, um, I feel that it's appropriate to leverage the Halloween meme and... To that end, get into some material that would otherwise be too ugly to impose upon you all, listeners. Given the nature of, although it's given the nature of how Halloween is a more deeply connected to that awareness of the veil thinning between the spirit world and the normal world of waking consciousness, the symbology of uh, the death of the harvest, and um, the acknowledgement of the mortality of of, um, humans living closer to nature, that's very much a quick and dirty sort of deeper analysis of the themes of Halloween and of course we know it is something very caricaturized and very um, insulting to the spirit world although I, I'm sure that um, you know it's all in good fun I'm not I'm not going to bash Halloween it's definitely my favorite holiday for sure and it definitely um, is the most pagan surviving post-Christianized spiritual experience I think for a lot of people exploring the dark side and um, so I will say this material that I'm going to explore leveraging the Halloween meme privilege is the most horrific material that can be explored in the known universe, to my knowledge. And so, but (laughs) it's nothing you wouldn't encounter in most Hollywood films that are horror films that are released on this day, ceremonially released on this day, or, or repeated reruns on TV, and other and elsewhere, the um, 
the monstrous supernatural and and human behaviors and activities they are uh, feasted upon by the psyche in this in this holiday season so because most people really aren't prepared to uh to digest the um you'll get you'll get psychic indigestion trying to trying to uh, the consciousness to digest the imagery of what needs to be said so again this is a this is as, as big of a trigger warning as big of a turn back now before it's too late warning you really have to be a spiritual warrior to proceed with this episode and it's not about entertainment but it is about confronting fear and it is with the intent aligning with the intent of the forces that give us nightmares that's that's the intention I'm bringing to this the intention of training for scenarios that are not always very realistic but quite often derived from palpable appropriate context to your individual life and and reality and circumstance i know they've done studies that seem to have a light touch i wouldn't consider vivisection per se or at least wouldn't consider it to be a very sinister form but the sleep scientists have been able to deduce that the uh sort of sleep walking like behavior of cats in rem sleep mimicked activities relevant to their real life so i don't know if i haven't read many folk tales or heard many old wives tales about about um a folkloric understanding of of animals dreaming and pets dreaming definitely seen a number of dogs looking like they're chasing some rabbits in their sleep and uh and what not kicking their legs and and but who could who could ever really know but i guess they did some they did some interesting you know design of a of a of an experiment to to be able to confidently deduce that which helped sleep scientists extrapolate that uh that nightmares are really um nightmares may be like training simulators um whereas normal dreams normal in quotes normal non-nightmare dreams 
there's hypotheses that it's just your brain, your consciousness, little of everything, sorting out experiences, making sense of the contents of the day. And certainly if you fail to sleep adequately, then <laughs> then your, your data processing gets backed up. It, it, it goes haywire and you end up having most often i think what what it what happens after well i think universally going more than a day without sleep is going to result in hallucinations and i can't say this is universal but i know that it is very common the the uh the hellish nightmare realms of paranoid delusional fantasy that that power to the forces that create the nightmares they have the power to kind of puppeteer your experience of consensus reality when you do not sleep so there's something interesting going on which i'm sure i could study quite a bit more about to speak with more authority and confidence about but i think for the sake of this experience Suffice it to say, there is a dark side. It's filled with horrors, ghosts, goblins, ghouls, demons, devils, succubi. (laughs) And that... so long as our our general innocence is intact and our frontal lobes are functioning as adults or I should say so so long as our childhood innocence is intact and our adult neocortex frontal lobe are in functioning and intact and we're not predisposed genetically to schizophrenia and other what will be considered genetic neurological issues basically that there is a a relatively effective filtering of waking consciousness from the influence control impulses imagery etc that are coming that that are ever present with a pressurized forceful desire to interpenetrate into so-called our reality or, or better said our consensus reality so I should really, at this point, it would be really apt for me to invoke the, um, probably the starting point for this, the the starting point, the, 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 the way to armor up to go into this horror, this horrific subject is to invoke the, um, the group of dream warriors as depicted in my favorite and I think the world's favorite Nightmare on Elm Street um, 
film series installment, which was number three, Dream Warriors, and the um, if you have not seen that, probably you should stop this and pause it, and you should go see that. <laughs> Because the boogeyman of Freddy Krueger is really he was really a very intelligently designed. mythical figure representing in the supernatural fantasy horror film genre world very much a phenomenon within consensus reality of this increasing what in permaculture design and in ecology you would call predator pressure so I think I've mentioned this before but it really, yeah, this is, this is what's coming forth. This is what is, to me, that, w that's, that was a shamanic initiation to be watching Freddy movies as uh, way before I should have in life and becoming afraid of the dark, but still, because you still had to <laughs> go through the dark to go to the bathroom, whatever, you, you had to feel that um, terror, but... Feel, feel that cocktail of terror neurochemistry but still continue the mission to go to the bathroom or get a snack or whatever it was and then get back to the light or get back to the undercovers or whatever and so exposure to and talking about and being honest about those things that the psyche is normally very cognitive dissonance about in order to just survive in the workaday world you need to armor up and, and need to, to train up to be able to seriously confront the, um, the horrors of, of real life and so Whether it's cartoons or comic books or video games or ancient mythical classic tales of hero of the hero's journey, we're all we are all filled with innumerable hero's journey stories from Disney to Nightmare on Elm Street. The, the tropes are very similar. If you are an adult, as you should be, if you're listening to this, then it is not only appropriate for you to take responsibility for the horrors that, that are happening in the world that you inhabit, um, above and beyond responsibility for, for your own thoughts, words and deeds but acknowledging that you are alive and conscious in a time where the Freddy Krueger 
mystique is it's an ever increasing looming threat and it takes the the cunning and the skill and the solidarity and the warrior culture of the the dream warrior souls that uh, were always in the end not all of them but the strongest of them in each film able to overcome their fear become courageous and confront and fight back and um yeah I, I binged a bunch of uh Nightmare on Elm Street documentaries a few years ago around Halloween as a as a bit of a a ritual for myself because it it was a big part of uh, my childhood and I think a big part of my neo shamanic hero's journey as it were or if you will even if you won't <laughs> what i want to address is the rape culture redesigned by permaculture principles and directives and uh, I, I don't know how well developed this line of thinking already is I'm sure that uh, I'm not I'm by far not the first one to ever explore these um explore this problem and to try to apply permaculture solu- solutions to it. It's so broad, it's so vast. There's so many permutations, so many contexts. What what a permaculture approach would attempt to do is to make the complexity of the subject matter comprehensible by studying the patterns and understanding attempting to understand the nature of in in in, in very textbook permaculture terms it it is what we what I what I would call this this experiment is a a sector analysis or some people take it further and call it a a vector analysis so in permaculture design there's two there are two very important instruments that are applied to every site as a, as a as a matter of course so that is a zone a zonation map and a sector analysis which overlays that zonation map and 
you don't need to be a certified permaculture designer to to get a quick understanding of what that of these two things I'll give a quick definition or I'll give I'll give a quick very quick broad overview so if you can think of a tar- a bullseye target there what those are what what you see on a on a dartboard is concentric circles and if you were to count from the center out to the outer edge let's say there were five rings and and then the circle in the center and if you were to consider the circle in the center to be zero then you have one two three four five concentric circles emanating out from the center and within those five concentric circles you have a a theoretical model that uh, never perfectly exactly fits on a actual terrain that you're designing i.e. a a, you're designing a landscape you're designing a a home you're designing a a farm etc a physical landscape architecture design those concentric circles are not are going to tend to almost never actually be perfectly uh, there's going to be more amoeboid, if you will. They're going to be more funky, and and there may be times where they overlap, or they kind of, um, yeah, can be just can be funky and not contiguous. But in terms of their function, they it remains it remains um, it remains sound. Mean so, and the function being the system the elements that you put into a design in your permaculture system they are laid out spatially so that those elements which you will be visiting most often are situated nearest to to zone 0 and so measured in number of visits per per year or per month or per week or however you want to um to um denominate the, the numbers of visits and, and you're gonna the further the less you use it the further away it is on the map so typically it's thought of that zone zero is your your home some people say spiritually zone zero zero or you could say zone negative one possibly um if you want to talk about uh but that's we're going to keep it very very physical no no metaphysics in in the permaculture um design system as it's taught in the canonical sense so we'll just start with zero being the place of the home and then zone 1 being right outside right outside the back door for example where you would have a kitchen garden where you would cut herbs every day and uh and possibly uh in an herb spiral which is a quintessential um and now by now very quaint but very quintessential and i think i think it's a <laughs> i can't ever not always be charmed by an herb spiral um but so zone 1 would be whatever you're accessing in your daily life on a daily in your day, on in your life on a daily basis that um makes sense to be right there if you're doing if you have a if if a nursery is your business then probably your nursery is going to be either attached to your house or 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 very very close with uh next to it not all the way at the end of your property for example um 
common things in zone two would be various forms of compost and tool sheds and and f- between zone two and three often would be the more the more um, agroecology food forestry and um, zone four often is uh, fiber f- f- fuel fiber and fodder crops meaning not stuff that you're going to eat every day or that you're going to interact with um, for your for your food or medicine necessarily but more for growing timber for for construction or firewood or or uh, forage for animals you know livestock that you care for and then beyond that zone five would be considered often the wilderness where you might go there with a light touch to harvest some things wild crafting um taking no more than 20 percent that's i think a common a common um metric for sustainable ethical wild crafting uh harvesting from the wild and and also the experience of learning from nature and just the importance of leaving it alone so that can often be the largest um zone uh, amongst the uh, of the the five zones um so that's pretty pretty quick easy visualization of how that how that breaks down and you can please etch that in your mind and go watch videos and go look at diagrams and etc um because it will change everything. I I, I I use zonation theory <laughs> as often as possible from a clothing drawer to a the way that a kitchenette is set up. Uh, when you think about not making extra work for yourself and being efficient and thinking like nature, then you're able to find a lot of uh, efficiency and a lot better ergonomics and flow when you um, when you design space in that matter. Um, another I guess one more point is to say the difference between a a tomato and um, and basil is that basil you could be eating theoretically almost every day from the plant because all the parts of the basil plant are edible and basically basil the leaves they're all basil leaves and the stem however not only is tomato poisonous outside of the fruit, you cannot safely eat the any other portion of the tomato plant. Not only that, it's going to not produce tomatoes for quite a bit of time while it just sits there taking up space in the garden. So better put that against the back wall, give it a place to trellis and climb, make so see makes sense to and let to uh, to place those crops which take longer to mature and where you're not eating from the where you're not eating from um virtually any part of it at a whim you put the place those further out um they're going to take more time and you're not going to interact with them that much other than amending the soil and natural pest management and whatnot but uh but yeah that's a that's a good basic overview of zonation theory now what overlays on top of that which is super interesting multi-dimensional i consider very oh it's systemic thinking but i think it's also very psychedelic thinking or <laughs> very conducive to both of those terms um but it's very interesting if i can do my best to sort of without any visual aids explain my understanding of it and usage of it 
it's it's almost metaphysical but it's it but not quite i guess it's it gets it gets very semantical because we're talking about in a in a very simple um well the best way to simplify it is to is to say a map of the flows through the site of outside influencing energies that's my understanding of how to how to frame the understanding of it so for example the wind sector the solar sector the the visual sector meaning who can see onto the site what you can what where and what you can see beyond your site uh a, you could you could definitely f- uh, design and factor in and and want to um to moderate smell factors if there's smells you want to you don't want to get out or smells you want to keep out there's that factor so these are things and there's also on top of the just the on top of the possibility of an event for the flow of any of these energy sectors to to move through the the site there's also the time dimension and the cycles and patterns that can be understood and designed for or against either inviting it in or keeping it out and a a really interesting visual a really interesting um way to simplify this in in a diagram it kind of i've seen it kind of looks like you're drawing a drawing a a rifle scope site slicing up the slicing up that if you if you did just have the five zones as as a as the perfect concentric circles and then on top of that you you place the sort of um crosshairs if you or sliced sliced up uh like a pie chart of course if you made if you made a pie chart and then you labeled each pie slice wind sun smell sound laws you know they, they wouldn't they would not physically correspond to those locations uh necessarily some of them actually might but um but the point is to think about the presence and the flows and the timelines and the cycles and patterns of outside influencing energies um that are that are forces artificial and natural and or however you want to define it that you're going to have to decide to throttle do you invite them in if so where do you exclude them and block them and keep them out also if so where and then what tactics and strategies are you going to use for to those ends and um because there's no such thing as there's no static anything in nature everything is always being affected so obviously yeah things like pests and uh and diseases and if you bring in a disease from a a, a plant you bought at the nursery 
then you were poorly designing for that sector if there was a way for you to have made better decisions about that to prevent an infestation per se um so that 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 obviously you could you could never spend enough time contemplating sector analysis and then and then the vector what i this isn't this is i guess a little more you i don't want to say advanced but a little a little more um niche within permaculture is the people who will talk about vector analysis meaning giving sort of i'm not going to say this is everybody but this is just something i've gleaned along my journey but the idea that it's almost giving like a qualitative sense of of, of a vector being something negative so and so and that's all that can often be subjective so um maybe you are attract maybe you want to attract a certain type of 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 insect that some people would consider a pest but you are doing something strategic with it so that it's actually beneficial in your design and so you might so one person's vector is not necessarily another person's vector but but um for the sake of of simplicity let's just say terminator gmo seeds blowing in the wind how do you prevent that is a vector that most people would not want to have invite into their into their design um so so if you're going to buy property and you know you're doing these 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 zone and sector analyses before you go into escrow then then it should be a deal breaker if you were if you're downwind of that kind of an operation gmo farm operation however let's say you inherit land or you're already your family's land is already being exposed to that or someone shows up to to start doing that right next to you well then then you're going to have different strategies you may have to you may have to redesign your your horticulture to to be to be protected from that as much as much as possible so literally i'm getting into the weeds on this but the reason why it's important to um drill the fundamentals of permaculture design to solve problems is that permaculture is not just a gardening system it is a it is a ecosystemic thinking system ecosystemic that's a little bit redundant but let me say that uh some of my favorite definitions broadly are permaculture is making homes for things that's my favorite <laughs> and then there's a little more dry which is something like um permaculture is a ethical design science for um for establishing sustainable human settlements that's a good one permutations of that um but most broadly it's it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's an approach it's a ser- system of checklists within checklists to solve problems with a toolkit of problem solving that derives from a lot of science technology engineering left brain quantifiable sort of um 
styles procedural styles and then but but harmonizing those qualities of uh of design with the elegance and dare I say the magic of nature but a lot of the magic of nature if you look closely and for long enough is actually a knowable cycle or process with um without needing microscopes and and um chemist chemistry and there's just in, in, intuitive and observational uh naturalism that um that I think is yeah, I think that's what if someone asked me right now what what's the what's what's this the elevator pitch for permaculture it's like to be able to design as beautifully and and as 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 elegantly to be able to co-create and design with nature with a a humble borrowing of the of the the, the sort of um I'm 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 trying not to get into a position where I'm saying if you take a PDC you're going to be thinking like nature that's a little bit too too arrogant but I want to say it's what is the word biomimicry it, it, you, you you there's a there's a state of grace to be able to say I've I've watched nature intently for long enough to where I feel that I can replicate the the processes that I've observed in nature to an end to to fulfill an objective of extending life life creates the conditions for more life another favorite of mine so these are you know you could call meditations so that is more than enough to now take um without because i'm not going to get into every principle and, and all the ethics and i'm there's this is just a what i'm doing is i'm reaching in that permaculture toolbox looking at the problem of rape culture and saying which tools from the toolbox are are the tools for the job okay so sometimes you have a budget sometimes you have a client sometimes you're designing your backyard sometimes you're working for an aid organization sometimes it's governments nonprofits um corporations schools etc etc prisons universities the permaculture movement has percolated down through probably almost every 
type of institution on the planet. And that is a that's a beautiful, very invigorating statement to make. A byproduct, I'm sure, of a lot of permaculture aid work around the world is the mitigation of the contexts that uh, are conducive to unbridled rape culture in war-torn areas, in ecologically degraded areas, in famished areas, in impoverished areas, in post-disaster areas. I think it is a... I'm, I'm, I, would, I would dare say that uh, the type of stabilization, ecological stabilization that permaculture aid work does is probably the, the most um, significant significant uh, and sustainable healing methodology of the fabric of culture, the fabric of, of, of ecosystems and there and thereby and addressing either directly or or indirectly, meaning the mission may not be to heal and prevent trauma but the but the the uh, the effect the product the yield of healing the land and the yield of stabilizing the economics with uh, within the, the the human inhabitants of of a land of a site of a of a region is going to be the emergent property of the healing of trauma and the prevention of acts that 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 caused trauma so it almost goes without saying permaculture itself is a is a strategy to design against rape culture because rape culture is most rampant in the most degraded places on earth the most degraded financially economically politically spiritually in terms of gender, in terms of climate, in terms of every every dimension. And I will say, Jeff Lawton, without speaking explicitly, when I did see and meet him and experience one of his workshops in Hesperia at the, um, at the Cal Earth Institute Center... He gave a presentation and did a lot, did basically a live site design. And he, yeah, he, he, um, one of my favorite teachers of, 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 of a lifetime. When they asked me, when they went around asking everyone what, why they were there, I said, I said, I'm here because Jeff Lawton is the captain of Spaceship Earth. And I hold to that to this day. One of the things he said just, 
onboarding people into permaculture is that uh, he said be very careful if you go and do any aid work throughout the world you're going to see things that uh, paraphrasing you're going to see things you can't unsee you're going to you're going to be very traumatized by by what you'll see and, and he left it at that I will say the problem is the solution, as is often said. So for me, my problem is I don't get to have the the luxury or privilege personally of not, of being in cognitive dissonance about the rape culture because of what forms of abuse I endured uh, throughout my early childhood and adolescence. And then I'll get into it more later, but the the um you don't you don't have to be a victim of sexual abuse or rape to be constantly victimized by rape culture and in in many different ways. So getting down to business with applying a sector analysis and really thinking of this ugly scary grotesque twisted sinister I mean I could I can't I can't unspeakable phenomenon <laughs> what we do in permaculture is we is is we do take the time to actually f- come into focus and get clarity onto on onto this monster whatever whatever we're dealing with and in this case this is a vector this is a a it is a monster that uh that that can be very elusive but it is it's like a it's like a, a poison in the air or the soil or the water that's that's odorless that's very difficult to um identify and to you just you can't it's it's not as simple as putting is putting a let's say putting up chicken wire for example it's 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 more complicated than that because rapists don't have there very few rapists i know there are some places i've heard i've heard urban legends of there being places in the world where where rapists get branded with a i don't know if it's the letter r or some some language specific um non-english equivalent of that but basically like a a way to at least forever after a convicted rapist is identified and they are identifiable as a rapist for the, from then on in in some some I, I wish i could remember where i heard this reference but that is a designer approach to 
addressing the predator pressure of rapists in human societies and that goes beyond just a map of registered sex offenders that just that goes beyond a background check that is that is a very um That is a next level way to identify and to then empower people to to maneuver around that sec- that vector in society, and um, we'll see how far I get into my extreme views about how to go about addressing this issue um, in, in a permaculture manner which which to invoke the, the notion of uh, what's called random assembly it, you can very much limit yourself in permaculture designing by just doing what seems very obvious and taking your first uh, your first sort of surface level very normal waking consciousness what do they call it default mode sort of way of saying oh well it's obvious that this should go that this if you're you have a piece of paper or a whiteboard or chalkboard or photoshop or illustrator or uh what do they call it um uh the uh autocad whatever you whatever you're designing with or even more fancy things nowadays if you go, oh, well, it's obvious that this should go here right next to this and I'll just put them there and that's that and then move on from there. That may make a lot of sense when there's only two elements in the system, but what when you get up to 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 elements, maybe you discover that there were more beneficial, diverse interactions between one or both of those elements in a, in a slightly different or, or vastly different configuration relative to other elements in the design that, that come later. So in order to sort of short circuit that, that kind of bias and that tendency, there is a recommended um, process called random assembly where you, you sort of you sort of shift around and shuffle around the elements into totally random, even absurdist configurations just to kind of see, just to kind of have a reference point and juxtapose. It's sort of like a jazz. You're you're kind of jazzing up the design and, and letting a little bit of chaos into the design process to help you possibly discover uh, things that were beyond your event horizon of what you thought was um was just the obvious or the tradition or the or the, the for whatever reason the limited approach that was taken you might find emergent properties new discoveries just from from shaking things up a bit so that's being informed and having learned from that process myself i will say when i think about The directive, my directive, and you can burn me at the stake for this, you can lock me up for this, you can give me dirty and weird looks for this, but I will say my directive 
for my life, which given my race, gender, orientation, nationality, etc. I have, I have um, a lot of, I have a lot of self-determination relative to other human beings alive on the planet. And if I want to make a directive for my life, I have no, I have, I have very few excuses not to, not to live by that directive, whether that be, could be, because it could be, I want to be vegan. It could be, I want to be paleo. It could be, I want to be local. It could be, I want to follow a certain uh, spiritual path, uh, abstain from something, indulge in something else. I have a lot of freedom to choose directives for my life, and my my one of my core directives is to not be raped again. Now, if I were to use random assembly techniques to think about how do I achieve that objective in the design of my life, doing very good, very thorough uh, vector and sector analysis of the situation, wow, a lot of things start to come to mind that go beyond simply not going to a gay bar and getting roofied. That would be a pretty obvious, pretty obvious means to avoid the outside influencing energy that I consider negative as a vector, which would be being raped again in my life. But it's not that simple. So we continue to explore in an almost free stream of consciousness, free-flowing state, trying to avoid biases and, and, and limits of thinking. So I think, what are the other circumstances that me, as a grown man, can for myself alone to start with design a life that prevents me from rape? Well, the biggest looming threat of rape for me, given given my mostly straight-ish lifestyle where I don't congregate amongst men who are intoxicated, highly um, uh, fueled by drugs and alcohol um, in a potential to be to, to gang up and to, to use uh, the synergy of group force to overpower me I'm not, I'm not, the chances of me being um, dragged into an alley by uh, a lone man or a group of men and being raped, those, those chances are, are relatively low given my age now, but at 13 in San Francisco in the Polk District, 
that was a very common occurrence and I sometimes escaped and evaded and defended and fought off those types of attacks and sometimes wasn't so so tactically um, proficient and the and that is one of the one of the that chapter of my life is obviously I'm not, I don't need to go into the I've written a book all about the horrors of what it was like in in the realm of um, of the methamphetamine uh, crisis of the mid 90s which well the, the the never-ending methamphetamine crisis it seems but now as a grown man who no longer is involved in that uh, in that area no longer no longer living in that area no longer engaged in those high-risk activities um, that that vector in my life has has been reduced significantly needless to say so what is next what is what is the the biggest looming threat to my directive of not being raped again it is the um, abysmal backward hideous disaster of a criminal justice system whereby non-violent criminals are not segregated from violent criminals and that is the simplest way to put that design thinking cap on what what are the what what that's the sector analysis okay so <laughs> put that on the on the design in the design charrette let's put that that mind map bubble up there it's not just prison rape it can be it, it's it's a continuum of sexual assault by by arresting officers, sexual assault by um, jailers, sexual assault rape by jail inmates, um, and then ultimately all the horrors that go with prison. And um, so that so now we're getting into these layers of the onion of the the penal system so obviously I would want to do everything in my power to avoid that that funnel towards the inevitability almost whether the official statistics are are, are, are pretty pretty um, the official statistics and the statistics that are uh produced by watchdog organizations and humanitarian organizations they don't line up and you can imagine that uh that it's a it's a bigger problem than 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 the uh officials are willing to admit and there there have been um programs designed to um to address those issues apparently they haven't done done much in that regard they haven't done as as i don't want to say as promised but they haven't done as hoped 
there are there are people passionate about addressing that issue but for the most part it's something that you think of it's joked about in movies in popular culture and it's sort of um buried in the subconscious of the fabric of society of uh, of people who are um ex-convicts who are released in society But I would say from a, I'm not trying to um, live my designer permaculture life with the, with the, um, the map of reality that is, that it's, that's taught in, in the public school system or in public health or what the, you know, pick the institution and their and and their unique way of um, of 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 creating a narrative, a story about the map of reality. I'm going to create my own map, and I'm going to label and 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 study and maneuver around the the game board. I, I often think of it as a pinball machine. This is to me. A, a permaculture designer's view of the rape culture for me it is the it is it is the 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 model of the pinball machine which is the notion that reality the human let's call it um the 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 United States criminal justice system and all of its scales from the uh, the municipal code to city and county, state, federal, etc., and all the permutations within all of those districts and all that, all of those, all of those different layers of of, uh, of looking at a design of the invisible structures, you would say. I see that they are all designed and to be funneled to be a fun, to basically to be a funnel and I don't I can't say I'm not going to say with a conspiracy theory that this was um an intelligent design or that it just was a just a, a byproduct or a sort of um a a throwback to the rape culture of the Greeks and the Romans the the um the rape culture of the Middle Ages. There's a legacy of of criminal justice, and there is an entire evolution of the rights of prisoners, the rights of the incarcerated, and what was considered um, appropriate conduct by the by by agents of the state and what was allowed to happen amongst those those who had been captured and 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 often enslaved by the state dire conditions that I think we've come a long way from yet when you listen to the uh, daily New York Times podcast where they talk about what's happening in Rikers Island 
that's where I start to say, yeah, my theory is looking even more correct than I even thought. If you understand right now what's happening in Rikers Island and you sit with that and then you and then you dare to journey with me with the visualization that that the American criminal justice system is set up either intentionally or unintentionally to functionally work as as though it were a pinball machine where the ground that you're walking on is skewed and your ultimate destiny by default is to be funneled into that into the the hyper concentration of rape culture which is imprisonment I would posit that that is a very true, a very true and, and deep uh, analysis of the functional, the functional game board of society that we're in. And what do you do to get the high score at pinball? You you have to have skills, you have to master that game. But if you have no skills and you don't even play the game, chances are, what do people say? Man, if I wouldn't have joined the military, or man, if I didn't go to college, or man, if I didn't find Jesus, I would be in jail or dead. Bad people, idle time is the devil's place. So... It's scary to think, though, that subconsciously, we don't, I don't think we give appropriate proportional credit, not, not credit, but, um, but, uh, gravitas really thinking about the, uh, I mean, another way you could look at it is just like, yeah, everybody's basically like Wile E. Coyote just like walking walking off the edge of the cliff and, and, and until they look down, they don't realize how, how, how much jeopardy they're possibly and how, how, how much danger lies ahead of them. And, you know, you're, you're at the mercy of a judge, of a jury of the laws as they're written, the interpretations of those laws, the jurisdiction you happen to be in when an unfortunate misunderstanding or bit of chaos occurs. But it's it's to me it's it's become again if you're if you've made it this far, you're either a survivor or you're, or you decided that because this is on or around Halloween, you're willing to step out of the comfort zone a little bit to explore some some edgy topics. But I think this is something that every parent should be losing sleep over, is like, not just 
the what I call this pinball machine of of um, prison rape culture, if you will, or the the sort of skewedness of the criminal justice system predicated on a failure to segregate nonviolent from violent criminals. Of course, there's I should I should say side note sidebar. Of course, I acknowledge there are degrees of maximum to minimum security, but that doesn't, you don't get a chastity belt with your, with your toiletries on intake, last time I heard, and knock on bamboo, I have, as per my personal directive of not being raped again, I have gone to great lengths not to get myself in trouble so that I would be in in behind bars during time so does that mean that I'm um, that I've never gone anywhere near the, the edge of um, stretching any laws whatsoever knowingly or, un- or unknowingly I think it's fair to say that every single person in this in the jurisdiction of the United States is is just a walking felony because you don't even know how many laws you are being affected by and um it is by the it, it's it's because nobody is if you're not in jail right now because you lost the pinball machine game that meant that nobody with power and authority was really hell-bent on locking you up. But if they are, whether, you know, there, there's there's uh, conspiracies within conspiracies that, uh, that can be enacted to sort of accelerate the, the falling down that, that, that pinball machine funnel and I, there's no need for me that you would call that systemic racism you would call that um nepotism and and uh and politicking and and just um nefarious collusion amongst um corrupt officials and corrupt agencies and whatnot and I don't need to get into all of the racketeering that private prisons are and all that kind of stuff. But I will say, if you care about children, if you care about yourself, if you care about spending time thinking through the way the the system is already designed... And what happens if you get on the wrong side of of any of it ever is this very rapid funneling down into the merciless hell realms where you are forced to be basically at the whim of, um, of the tyranny of gangs who have already weaponized rape as a tool of initiation and and subjugation very systematically and to where the um, the recourse that you might have in the so-called in the free uh, 
the outside world and, and the sort of um, in the free the free world of society, that recourse is going to be very limited. And um, so, yeah, I can't imagine having a teenage son in this. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine the peer pressure of a sports team to gang rape the cheerleaders. I can't imagine being up at night. And that's why I've chosen in this life. I chose not to procreate. I chose not to parent because I want to solve this issue. And it's not just the criminal justice system it's beyond that to me that i just started i'm starting there for myself but if i were let's say let's say i'm my mother and father and and i'm in the womb still and they have a conversation and they say they just took a pdc and i'm in the womb during the pdc and they say to each other wow We now believe it is possible to take any objective and apply permaculture design thinking towards that objective, whatever that might be. So, of course, we want to live a happy, healthy, utopian, loving, safe, abundant, thriving, ecologically flourishing family life in an eco-village somewhere gorgeous with a lot of trustworthy people and who are very ethical and also informed by permaculture design and let's say and they and to to be honest it wasn't that far off i mean the the, the, my roots are 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 very are very much um utopian in, in in the in the in the relationship and design of my mother and father before disaster struck which i don't need i'm not going to go into now but 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 let's say if i were to go through the thought experiment of like well we know we live in a world where as mike glover said if you open up the sex offender app it's like the map is like black it's like a cancer So if you're a parent designing the childhood of your expecting child in the womb, knowing that there is a vector that is the predator pressure of rape culture and the ubiquity of this plague of sex offenders dug in all through all surrounding almost every neighborhood almost every jurisdiction municipality settlement let's just say within this within the united states what is your design strategy going to look like and what i see the negligent undesigned default being for the most part is that people are treating molestation and rape of children and adolescents as almost like a rite of passage. And as much as you have the archetype of the father who is cleaning his guns when when the prom date dude comes over to 
to to pick up his daughter and he's interrogating them and showing showing the showing the date the suitor all of his guns you know as 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 charming and quaint and uh affirming as that that father figure is there's a lot of there's a lot of absentee fathers and there's a lot of fathers who are actually abusers themselves if you really start to take peel back the veneer and you look at the 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 termite infestation of the floorboards the black mold infestation underneath the tile in the bathroom we're talking about a predator pressure of rape culture affecting girls boys young women young men and i guess the older you get the less desirable you are but that doesn't that's never 100 percent um guarantee that you will be safe but but man i think i think society is doing a horrifically terrible job at understanding the nature of this vector uh and you know for me i i was raped and abused throughout system it to some degrees uh i guess i should say in various contexts in various cycles throughout my childhood and adolescence and i would say on a scale of one to ten if i had to average it out so yes there have been experiences that by themselves standing alone i would consider them like a one in degrees of severity of violation sexually in this life there's been however many ones there's been however many twos there's been however many etc all the way up to tens but if i were to average out over the course of my lifetime i would say relatively speaking it's probably about a 7.5 of the horrors uh that i've experienced and then also also factoring in that um unlike some people who were raped daily by multiple people systematically for number for number of their formative years and then became prostitutes and then became porn stars or were pimped and trafficked and the basically gang rape or multiple rapes per day has been their experience of life so, since they could crawl then they're definitely 10 and beyond and because my the the patterns of abuse that i endured were they were they were bracketed within within time frames although you know there's what do they call it precognitive abuse to where i don't i can't ever well it's probably unlikely i'll ever be able to know how repeated certain certain acts were 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 conducted against me before i was forming um, um, before i was they, they call it precognitive is is the technical term i believe but um but i i as a street prostitute at 13 some of the extreme occurrences were were transdimensional and um 
this is where the metaphysical and the physical and the scientific and the shamanic this is what this is what my permaculture deep study really is all about as a survivor or talking about sexual permaculture or designing against the rape culture is is making a logical leap uh to look at the way parasitism functions in nature and look at the way sexual abuse propagation occurs uh how how this vector how this pathogen propagates itself within society it is a behavior but so are all the behaviors induced by toxoplasmosis which is a knowable medically measurable pathogenically induced parasitic uh, brain and, and neurological infection that produces behaviors that are that are that can be studied in a lab. So, to take permaculture design thinking and apply it to, and 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 use permaculture design thinking to to merge um, folk shamanism with sexology and and arrive at an understanding that we are in the war against the rape culture we are fighting a contagion we're fighting a infectious parasitic pathogenic contagion that propagates through the acts of rape and abuse and that it is not a um if there's more than meets the eye and it's not just the surface level gratification of genitals in conjunction with some deformed, morally uh, bankrupt, um, unethical, psychological gratification that, that goes along with the physical gratification. That is the, the monster of the molester, the, the monster of the date rapist, the monster of the prison rapist, that there is, there is this, um, this deformed neurology involving genitals, involving the muscles used to subdue and to, and to, to use, and to, uh, force, oneself upon another and then there is the neurology of the manipulation and the um so you have all of that but even though some of the even though there is um metaphysical and um i'm not i don't want to use the word astral because that is that's that wouldn't be the a permaculture designer would use a better word than 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 astral because it doesn't have really a, a, a well a, a well consensed upon definition but shall we say um well there there if we want to look at the layers we say you have layers layers of gratification of nerve endings on the tips of flesh and then neurons in the brain that in constellations make up personalities and preferences and motivations and all of those things are part of an individual's neural net and if that neural net does not have an ethic of non-rape and non-molestation then it is potentially always a potential rapist and molester because 
without training, without, um, without, uh, socialization of what is appropriate conduct. I mean, you see footage of, um, of chimpanzees raping frogs because it feels good in the zoo and people staring and watching and taking pictures. It's like, yeah, that's that, that luckily in human society, we have, um, appropriate social standards that keep us from just fucking things and humping things like dogs humping legs because we don't have the luxury of being that innocent we we know better we are supposed to know better than to weaponize our sexuality Um, but if you look up rape in nature on wikipedia you find all kinds of very elaborate forms of weaponized sexual penetration there is something that i will it's too grotesque it's even more you can if you dare to look it up it's called um traumatic insemination so it is something that happens in bed bugs traumatic insemination i will spare you the definition but i will say from traumatic insemination amongst bed bugs to elaborate jawed tooth-like projections within vaginas to clamp down on unsolicited, non-receptive female uh, reproductive organs against the rape bandits of the male um, members of their species, there is very much a war of the sexes going on in species where it's that grim, it's that um it's that much of a of a war of the sexes so we have this thing called culture that is supposed to uh make it so we invest evolutionary energy into having the big brains that we have so we can navigate and negotiate our sexual urges in a way that uh it c- comes to some consensus of appropriateness about incest about age appropriateness about all sorts of conduct that generally throughout the world as anthropologists understand generally for the most part arrives at a lot of rights sexual rights uh of women a lot of um egalitarian uh, sexual politics, a lot of, a lot more sexual freedom than you than you might um, be comfortable knowing about, uh, if you were not taking cultural anthropology one on one or more um, sexually focused anthropological research, but for the most part, our every, every for the most part every culture on earth before. Caligula basically evolved norms that were uh, very comfortable, safe, and favorable to a a very a very flourishing expression of sexual freedom and rights, and a very very uh, minimal instance of 
of abuse of that trust, abuse of that safety, and abuse of those norms in the form of rape and abuse of women and children and and men. But basically, the the the, the anthropology of rape culture is it's it's um, something I hope I will be able to spend a lot of the rest of my life really catching up on because I was an anthropology student and I was on track to be definitely a researcher, field researcher, and ultimately professor. That that probably would have been my path had I not sort of gotten re um, redeployed into the into the music world, which took me out of college. But basically, that for my own healing, for my own mission and purpose, my own directive, I really, really do care to become, if if I wanted, if I was going to ever want to be an expert in anything and really own that title, I would like to be an expert in the anthropology of human sexuality and, and therefore be able to do, write anthropological and ethnographic books about the evolved uh, defenses against the vector of rape culture in non-industrial societies what is it about their ethics what is it about their their um, moral character the structures of their minds that that make it a non-issue whereas in the industrialized world is a simple way to put it in more uh, in complex state societies sexual abuse exploitation because of hierarchy because of um, status because of things like the caste system things like slavery things like um, oligarchies all of the things that come from the surplus of domestication if you take that anthropological or, or anarcho-primitivist lens on rape culture and you and you have a, a, a comparison point to the relative innocence and relative uh, lack of rape culture amongst the Paleolithic what we extrapolate about Paleolithic societies from modern ethnography of hunter-gatherers I'm not saying there's never any rape or abuse but I'm saying relatively speaking if whatever whatever scale the problem was and is for them it is drastically less than it is for us and why is that and i can go into i could go into a lot of my research to try to, to try to explain what happened but essentially it's a it's if i if i my thesis and i'm not alone on this but it is a it is a, a thesis that I explored most academically in my first podcast interview with the late Yalila Espinoza, Dr. Yalila Espinoza, rest in peace, where we spoke in very anthropological and academic terms about the, shaman, the shamanology of sexual predation as a form of um, if the crude folkloric language is that uh, is that a sexual abuser is possessed by demons, what we would 
what we would translate that into in a more academically informed shamanological discourse would be to say that there is a a parasitic infection that can be identified and can be disinfected by effective shamanic intervention facilitated by and enhanced by plant medicine traditions such as ayahuasca um and that was her work. That was her uh, her thesis and her PhD uh, study was um, ayahuasca and sexual abuse in the Amazon. And um, I will at some point uh, do the honor to her as a as a uh, with the reverence I have for her to to do my best to facilitate the the ongoing uh the, the, the to facilitate her work continuing um the work continuing on her behalf not necessarily by me personally as a white dude but with some form of grant foundation for other indigenous women of color exploring sexual abuse recovery with um entheogens and uh that is my biggest intention for my 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 most um uh my in my heart of hearts my deepest passion for for staying alive in this world is to live long enough to um become abundant enough to facilitate the funding of the continuation of research in her name where my um the liability that is my libido is buffered from corrupting that agenda basically so in other words i will not be masquerading as an embodiment of her intentions and um, getting myself in trouble as a cock shaman pretending to have her blessing posthumous because we're in communion on the spirit world plane or whatever no i'm not going to be that guy I'm intelligent enough to design, um, shall we say, decentralized uh, funding apparatus that uh, that take that can take money from me, but not um, not take direction from me. So that 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 is forthcoming in the evolution of my permaculture designing against rape culture. Um, but what I want to really this is just a chaotic stream of consciousness unplanned just all just threads of consciousness that i have been working on and that have been um in development throughout my my the history of my podcast the history of my life um the history of my studies uh but why why it comes into focus now well it's it's halloween and and it's um that is what is is uh is is cares to be spoken about from my the depths of my of my soul at this moment and it also goes out to uh i think probably most it's probably derived most from just having heard that podcast about the state of rikers island and also my understanding and great heart ache my understanding of and heartbreak about the fact that every step the the um 
call it call it militant radical feminist call it um humanitarian call it uh uh social justice call it prison reform call it um whatever you want to call it every every effort in the war against rape was set back by by the pandemic because of i mean i just, it it was you didn't have to follow all the headlines to understand how devastating a pandemic of this magnitude would be because of the compounding horror of a understaffed social shall we say social services and child protection um enforcement and investigation uh labor force and i have gripes of course uh with the institutions as as with all institutions but but credit where it's due you don't want to defund the protectors of children who are the ones documenting the evidence of sexual and physical and emotional abuse in the privacy of homes in uh the custody of um childcare and schools and extracurricular activities you do not want to lose power and strength and numbers in that in that um sector of society and compounding with that lack that void of protection from the better aspects of the state you also have the the lockdown making it the number of hours of exposure of children and victimized women to the most often statistically speaking threat actor of the toxic masculine now there is no escape there is no getting away from the abuser for the time you're able to go to work or go to school there's so that i mean <laughs> a lot of people just want to go back to concerts and go to the bar and i'll tell you what i'm thinking about i'm thinking about how far back what a setback it has been in the war against the rape culture knowing that now there will be a there will be an explosion in the population of the the parasitic pathogen behind propagation of rape and sexual abuse that it was a perfect storm for that pathogen to explode in population numbers the way we're seeing the increased uh, the increased geographic um scope of malaria of of Lyme disease carrying ticks and as devastating to the oceans as the algae blooms are the toxic algae blooms as devastating as all these other surface 
level uh, obvious indicators of climate collapse now in my view um, it, from a shamanic perspective this breeding opportunity of the pathogens of of the soul if if I may and I would call them chakra parasites if if someday permaculture as a movement is, is uh, let's let's say there, let's say at some point that the chakra system is proven to exist at which point then it becomes um, appropriate and and um, acceptable within the constraints of the permaculture design course to talk about the science of chakras and the defensive strategies and the protective strategies of the chakra system to prevent against the pathogenic pressure of of that uh, outside influencing energy that vector of attack so i'm not going to teach a pdc where i talk about chakras until it's scientifically proven and then it becomes appropriate but i'm not teaching a pdc now I am engaging in in the permaculture design process for my own life. What do I have to do to avoid the pinball machine rape vortex funnel of you piss off somebody in law enforcement and they decide to make an example of you and then once you cross that line, you never come out. For me, I think about, in my personal design, I think about the haunting words of former federal law enforcement agent Gary Collins turned paleo-primal power, very radical, simple life um, evangelist and, and hero to many, uh, his insight from being the kind of guy who conducted investigations for the federal government as a, as a, as an enforcer, doing interrogations, investigations, arrests, following up with uh, with with his um, with his caseload, and him saying things that what I'm going to paraphrase, but he would say things like. Basically, what was what his biggest fear, even while he was a federal agent, was that something would happen to where he gets on the other side of the system. He might piss somebody off or slip up, you know. And he wasn't by any means a criminal. He was probably the most one of the most informed, law-abiding citizens you could possibly be. And he wasn't. Um, having anything to hide or doing anything shady, but because he understood how corrupt, how inefficient, how negligent, how, um, just how a bad, how bad luck can, can result. Um, whether you're a, whether you're a criminal, uh, mastermind or not, you know, you could be, you could be sucked into the system, uh, and have very little recourse. So he would say, that uh, his biggest fear was that he would get he would get stuck in the system and then never come out because the way that you fall down into that um, and again I'm paraphrasing but uh, but the idea is that once you 
once they got you, the probability that you're going to have to do what he said and what he told the, the, the guys who he would arrest who were like, they were not hardened street criminals. They were just like conducting various forms of fraud for financial gain and they were softies you know they were in every other aspect of their life other than scamming people they weren't ready to go and and do what gary collins told them they would have to do well sorry i know you know you fucked up you shouldn't have done this because now you know it's gonna be i'm sorry to tell you it's gonna be fight or fuck you know and uh and so he knew that because he was facing that he was he was apprehending people and putting them into the fight or fuck game game board uh and um and he knew he knew how little it would take to 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 just ha- be at the wrong place at the wrong time no matter what you were or were not involved in or guilty of you could be at the wrong place in the wrong time. Again, I'm doing a lot of paraphrasing, but it's just, you know, feeling into the essence of the wisdom that he shared. And, and I really appreciate his wisdom because he speaks from a deep level of knowledge of how the system works and from the inside. So if you think about it, you don't. What are the odds that if you go into jail or prison anywhere for any reason at any time that you are not going to be challenged by the lifers or the people who know they're going to be in and out of there? They see you as someone who wants to get out, who wants to do right, who wants to keep to themselves, eyes on the floor, no eye contact, give, surrender your, your meal, surrender whatever you're told to give. So including your including your sexuality um the you 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 more more often than not you are going to be you're going to have to fight or fuck and if you fight guess what you're never getting out because there went your nonviolent status there went your slap on the wrist there went your window of opportunity to get out of the system so all of that is a very thin veneer and what you're at the mercy of is literally the mercy of those behind bars already who have nothing to lose and it is a sport for them to either uh, sexually or either with the threat or the promise of sexual violation ultimately uh, force you to fight or fuck so yeah, guess what? America, the big game show called Fight or Fuck. If you didn't know, if you didn't, if you weren't at the wrong place at the wrong time, you might, you might only watch movies about it and crack jokes about it. But somebody who knows very deeply from from being a federal law enforcement officer, Gary Collins, when he says that, and he says that the problem is we don't separate nonviolent from violent criminals. That struck very, very deeply in the heart of me as someone who makes it a point to not be raped again. And and that variable, that vector, that risk factor, it makes me very, very hesitant. It makes me very risk averse 
am very calculated in the risks that I take and it makes me very, very edgy about about being a about being a Jedi and conduct and just um, things like you know not getting drunk at bars and not mouthing off at traffic stops and doing what my lawyer says about um, you know being on the up and up and and at the same time knowing that uh, like anybody else they don't have to be as radical and outspoken as I am about a lot of things that are considered um shall we say just edgy <laughs> edgy politics uh, edgy lifestyle you know but uh but I do, I do my best not to make a lot of enemies and I think that is probably the smartest thing I can do with the advisement of my lawyers just um you know You know, I'm living on a prayer because you can always be at the wrong place at the wrong time. You can always be caught up in someone else's, you know, uh, criminal activity without knowing it. It's more It's more than a full-time job to... I mean, how many people... How many people fucking speed on the fucking freeway... And they're not thinking about fight or fuck t- tonight because I was a dick to the cop pulling me over and now they put me in with someone they know is going to fucking give me a hard time. Just don't underestimate how fucking sadistic <laughs> the rape culture is and how insidious it is and how much collusion there is to see you fucking impaled on impaled by a rapist I, I I really wish that was not the case but unfortunately the reality is you want to ask me what the real horror show is it is that skewed pinball machine that we're on and it is the it is the lack of a shamanic perspective that allows the pathogens that are responsible for for this contagion, this uh, rash, this plague of rape culture to propagate. And so, Now to get onto the more proactive and, and, and light side of all this. I often say it is our choice to to learn from the chimpanzee rape culture versus the bonobo matriarchy. And whatever canned response you might have or you might hear against feminism as a as a broad spectrum with infinite permutations under the the umbrella of feminism 
to me, as a permaculture designer, trying to design against the vector of rape culture, I say what is the common denominator? Where do you start? Where do you begin? And there's nuance beyond the the crude and gross common denominator but the common denominator is erect penises you can get semantical about digital penetration that's where we get into the nuances of the law But taking that perspective of remove the knee-jerk men's rights, gendered, whatever, defensiveness around, hey, believe me, I'm, I'm trained to teach people to worship the lingam, to do tantric lingam puja, which exalts the erect penis as as a wand of light, as a, as, a, as a magical sacred object, which is half responsible for co-creating life, the Shiva, the Shiva Lingam. So, from a Shakta Tantra perspective, to my understanding, it is the training and is it is the refinement of the erect penis through tantric yoga, sexual yoga, that you have a a, a an erect penis that is uh, imbued with divine masculine energy. And now I'm now I'm um, I am. Uh, this is after hours non-PDC material if as it were um, but if, if I were to take that that, that es- the esoteric and mystical sort of um, spiritual philosophical uh, terminology out what, what would I how, how would you put that in how would you how would you correlate that to farm politics of livestock right <laughs> it's like well You might just eat the rooster who doesn't just fertilize eggs but actually brutalizes the hens. You might just eat that one and you might just get a different breed with a more temperamental care uh, with with a with a gentler temperament so that the job gets done without you losing hens in the process. <laughs> so <laughs> are you going to find the most tantrically divine blessed Shiva cock rooster i don't i don't know you you can't you can um you can you can pray to hope to find uh enlightened livestock but uh it gets very practical 
around species selection and around observation and just knowing that uh, it's something you have to garden, it's something you have to manage. So um, the politics of um, of treatment and 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 prevention and um, punishment and and incarceration of sex offenders. I have a lot of thoughts about that. Uh, also explored with Yalila on that that early podcast, where we talked about what, what would be the most um, shamanic and permaculture informed pathway for recovery of sex offenders, such that they could be kept permanently from imposing a risk to society. Uh, it's at some level. Um, I mean, there's there, that's where it gets into the nuance, but but at the gross level, the fundamental gross level. If we take away uh, the, the, the knee-jerk biases, then we can say, well, okay, if you want to have a rape-free zone, what do you have to do to have a rape-free zone within society someplace on the planet Earth? Well, the first thing you would have to do is you would have to exclude erect penises from that zone. Period. And once you have done that, and you have one day without rape on a site, then you have something to work on, a foundation of success from which to design the nuances of integrating erect penises within the designer system so that they perform the duty that they that you want them to perform without becoming a vector of disease a vector of violence a vector of abuse and what tools what strategies what tactics would you need to develop from that baseline of zero rape to then maintain zero rape while welcoming, inviting, designing for, containing the nuances of interactions of cycles of erect penises. So it's like gardening male sexuality To maintain, like you would see at an industrial job site, those tally boards that say, everybody gets a bonus if we go 90 days without an injury. So I would like to see for myself, for refugees, other... I could call, I could, I could call up any NGO that is, a, that is a, um, an anti-sex trafficking organization and say... Hey, guess what? You're not going to like most of what I stand for, but um, technically you have to serve me because I am a surviving former sex worker who was trafficked. So what do you got for me? Do you want to talk to me about how permaculture might um, you know, be useful to you or... You know, I'm I'm not in a position where I, I I want or need to go and cold call organizations for my own benefit, but I do know that uh, if it is my destiny to um, 
to create uh, rape-free zones on Earth that uh, provide for the uh, ability for survivors such as myself to to heal and recover and be be gardened for my for my male sexuality to be gardened in a way that it does not become toxic that it does not become a what is the word uh, that that I do not become a sexual offender despite the statistical probability that because I was infected through the abuse I endured, how do I become what um, what arborists looking at tree pests would call a non-reproductive host? Meaning, I may have been infected, but I... But it is possible through through various means for me to for preventative work to be done internally and externally to prevent a possibility that I could become a, shall we say, um, survivor, offender, or for, for me to propagate the, 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 the disease that I was attacked by, a non-reproductive host is the closest analogy that I've found in my study of nature and so I say often there are a few types of people in the world. There are, there are those who, never, who were never sexually abused, those who were sexually abused and sexually abuse others, and those who were sexually abused and who, and who do not sexually abuse others. And I use the metaphor from Lost Boys movie, back to some horror and Halloween stuff, of the half-vampire. So you may have been bitten by the vampire, but if you choose not to drink blood and to become or sorry if you if you choose not to attack and drink more blood then you rem, then you remain a half vampire and i would love to believe in the mythology of that film that um that if you kill the head vampire all the half vampires go back to normal I would I would love for that to be reality. I don't know if it is. I'm not going to hold my breath for that to be the truth, but I will say it is my responsibility as a survivor to not become an offender and to garden my own sexuality and to and to facilitate the gardening of everyone's sexuality to intelligently by design prevent the rampant the rampageous, invasive species of, for lack of a better word, demonic parasites infesting chakras, taking possession, taking control of neurons the way that uh, zombie shrimp and cordyceps, fungus and toxoplasmosis, amongst other smart parasites or intelligent parasites as I call them how do we design against that how do we guard and how do we acknowledge it begin to try to understand it in terms of parasitology and then with an informed a parasitologically informed permaculture 
designer system, how do we do our best to guarantee a 100% prevention of the vector of rape and molestation and knowing that that will be very difficult to achieve and understanding that there's nuance how do we be on guard and how do we prioritize that if we want to because I don't think people really care that much because most people are so checked out that they in effect treat this phenomenon as though it is a rite of passage and it's just a part of growing up and get used to it because that's life that is the sort of subconscious unspoken narrative that actually was very um, well I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this bringing it full circle back to Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy Krueger and, and that whole um Halloween-esque mythological um, gift and I will I will express something that I don't think is well understood but the the design of Freddy Krueger by Wes Craven was originally based on a news story about an outbreak no sorry he was tapping he was tapping into the looming threat not the threat the um the the original freddy krueger was was far more explicitly characterized as a child molester and that changed in the um characterization of Freddy Krueger to be just a child killer and that decision was very thoughtful and purposeful and Wes Craven has disclosed through documentaries that there was a very um, uh, a very widely publicized case of uh, sexual abuse of children scandal at a church and it was one of one of the earlier sort of really well publicized exposés of this horrific grotesque uh, phenomenon happening period and people were in such denial about it it was very rarely spoken of and for it to surface in the media it was not as commonplace and taken for granted as 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 it certainly is now Uh, and so there was a point in the in the the um in the in the the screenwriting of the character of freddy krueger to where they changed it from a child molester to a child killer because they thought it was or he thought it was way too um too dangerous too risky to sort of uh, i'm paraphrasing to um to risk 
I don't want to say the just the financial consequences or the sort of like bad reviews consequences, but just the risk of of just making a making a mistake. Given that time, it was just it, for. I can't. I can't. I wish I had the quote in front of me right now. It's worth going and looking up. It'll have to be part of my due diligence to make sure I have that that quote on file. But it's very important that that sensibility w- was there with Freddy Krueger and the, and the decision making and arc of his character but it's, it's, so it's important to know and think about this think about how successful Freddy Krueger was and that claw and the mask and the, the red and green sweater and the entire like um, mascot of horror and Halloween that Freddy Krueger was it would have not taken off the way it did if he was um, true to the form of the character by the original design. You would not be having... What was the word? Um, there would be no place in your heart for Freddy Krueger and his claw and his hat and his burnt face and his sweater and all of the costumes, there would be no place in your heart for that. And of course, they would not have depicted this, but they would have insinuated it. And they and the parents who 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 mob justice burned him alive for good reason. They would have more explicitly said why it was that they took vigilantism and justice into their own hands. it's i can't i can't express how just how important the legacy that that legacy is um and you know you could say it's uh, uh that it's laughable or or that it's um that it's what was the word what would academics say oh this is anecdotal this is a if you, this is anecdotal this is um pop psychology right no this is good anthropology studying the archetypes and the mythologies that come up in culture in in any form this this could have been poetry this could have been um a painting this could have been you could have taken the fred krueger mystique and put it into a poem an ancient poem an ancient painting and it would have been a a treatment of a phenomenon which is by God, by goddess, what on earth is happening to male sexuality for it to become so perverse as to turn against the innocence of children while parents are negligent in the workplace, in the workforce. And there, there is an argument uh, that, um, that that uh, latchkey kids like myself were left to be victimized by predatory, by sexual predator men, because our mothers were forced to join the workforce by absentee fathers and by the breaking of homes. And and I'm not gonna indict um, women's lib in that, but I will say there are interesting discourses around how that maybe was botched uh the 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 
the the the women joining the worst the 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 women joining the workforce movement left a generation of children in the hands of predatory uh child care givers and i am barely living proof of that fact and i am one of of a generation uh, honestly of of people who experienced that and probably more since then so yeah in my garden in my garden of male sexuality with to, with the intention of creating zero rape conditions rape free zones i would say what do we have to do to empower mothers to be gainfully employed while still on duty protecting their children from the vector of of the rape culture is that possible do we need welfare socialism revolution lesbianism <laughs> crypto anarchy what does it take for a mother's instinct not to be interrupted by the need to earn a living and participate in capitalism in a manner that puts her children at risk well homeschooling is actually a very positive element in that design and wow i mean the mothers out there who are doing self defense classes for homeschooling pe those are probably the most blessed human beings on earth because they are creating that shield of protection for themselves and their children and they're creating beautiful designer healthy ways to proactively garden and design against that vector so leaving it on that positive note leaving on that positive vibe fred kruger the child molester who was rebranded as a child killer should haunt our halloweens and remind us to garden and design against the vector of of pathogenic male sexuality and the rape culture and that the pro- and and that by doing that there is a positive synergistic effect of wholesomeness around empowering mothers to defend their children and to train their children i i guess i will leave with um the most beautiful thing i've ever seen in in not in not not uh personally but through film the most at this point in my life i can definitely say without a doubt
The most beautiful thing I've ever seen was in a documentary about the traditional, original ninjutsu movement. And my favorite one showed an equal treatment of the female ninja alongside the male ninja, which... (laughs) It wasn't some sexified, femme fatale, Charlie's Angels, whatever, Hollywood. It was it, w- it was a very, very beautiful, very sacred, very um, documentary form treatment of the gender balance of male and female ninjas, and and showing the culture of ninja through the lens through the the protagonist um, of, of the female ninja what was what the documentary was about and so the most beautiful thing I think I've ever seen I know I've ever seen that was in film and not in person was the 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 way that they were do, showing how the training of the lineages was pa- the the training lineage was passed on and it was a mother literally forming the strikes and the kicks with the arms and legs of her daughter actually training like a physical therapist the mother and daughter sacred relationship I think that was the most I know that was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen because I wish someone my mother or my father or anybody would have prepared me for this world not just by telling me don't take candy or talk to strangers not just by telling me horror stories about what happens to those who are victimized not just by seeing the news or watching scary movies but in the training defensiveness in the actual neurological skeletal muscular system where becoming a ninja is not something you go pay an instructor to demonstrate for you and then have you do some sparring no this was like learning to walk learning to crawl or learning to crawling learning to walk run talk and in that process of maturation being ninjaed, being actually physically trained to be basically a walking blender that's unfucking rapable. I said that those words in the last in the last episode and they're 
resonating and resounding with me and I think that is the um, that's the highest expression of, of appropriate response to this reality of, of many threats and many vectors and um, it's not my place in this life to have my own progeny, but I will definitely be financing and supporting and helping those who are taking this seriously and who want to become, um, who want to have, who want to have for themselves and their children, they want to have a tactical advantage against the rape culture starting from a zone zero where there is zero rape and zero molestation that's the that is the prayer that is the that is the directive to be to have tactical advantage at all times against the rape culture. And to garden myself and train men to garden themselves and for us to garden each other and for women to garden all of us knowing that the prevalence of of this behavior, whether you want to call it what I call it, what Yulila and I were beginning to call it a parasitic infection, or you want to just call it a paraphilias and psychopathology and sociopathology and criminal psycho... Whatever jargon, whatever semantics you want to use in a permaculture design doesn't really matter what you call it. It matters what it is and what it does and when it does it and how it does it and what you're going to do to moderate it. has to be acknowledged and it has to be designed against cheers
better drink for me. 